It's time to place your bets. Let's talk to the pros. Welcome in, everybody, to Betting Pros. It's me, Joey P. Joe P. Zapia, and today we got some more Major League Baseball for you. We're talking season-long props with one of my favorite people. You know him from in this league. You know him as one of the leaders, if not the leader, of the IT Army, let's be honest. And you also know him as the host of Prospect One, the greatest prospect show you'll ever find, and the coolest shirt here with the prospects assembled. That is amazing copyright infringement to the side. He's the one, the only, my good friend, the Welsh. Welsh, how are you, my friend? What's going on? Joey, what's up, buddy? Don't mention copyright. It's totally okay. It's, it's just totally a, fine. Totally it's fine. Okay. My shirt that you can buy. Yes. What's up, buddy? Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be back on the pros with the Joe. I know. That's right. Pros with the Joe. That's how we roll here. And, you know, it's funny because we talked about, you know, coming on for a show and things like that. And you said, well, I don't know, betting and stuff like that. But to me, the person you want to talk to when it comes to props is a fantasy person, especially when yeah. we're going to talk about some of the rookie of the year stuff today too, because you handle all the prospects and you can really kind of tell us where to put our money. But also I think fantasy people have the best opportunity to give you the best information when it comes to who's the hit leader this year, who's the K leader, who is progressing in that fashion, because that is a little bit deeper. That's more about digging into the stats and digging into the numbers and more than just the trends and the recent bias and things like that. And I think it takes a really good fantasy person. And that is you, my friend. Oh, so oh, I, I wanted nice to chat words. with you about this. How are you enjoying the baseball season? First off, uh, whew, that's a loaded question. That's a loaded question. I, I, how are I, we... I, I know what it's full of. And I want to ask you because there's been some good and some bad so far this year. So I'm curious what's your take on the year in 2021? You know, I don't, ironically, maybe to some people, like I don't want to be like the, the the negative guy, even though I can be kind of a negative guy because there's so much great stuff about it. But mm -hmm. I think it's been a loaded year across the board. There's so many things that um, show how much baseball is working against itself, which really bother me from, from the littlest things. You know, I was just talking about this on uh, the In This League Fantasy Baseball podcast. Like you go and look at, uh, key Brian Hayes losing a home run because of the the base thing. I know mm. it's like a technicality, but it's such a silly thing that hurts baseball. Do you think it's good for baseball for Key Brian Hayes to literally hit a home run over the wall? And then you have this little like foot issue. Bobby uh, Witt had the exact oh, that same was thing. hilarious. The we same talked about day, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the same day Bobby Witt had it. That's not good for baseball. The um the spider, you know, the, the, all of the sticky and that type of stuff. It's not good for baseball. The COVID issue. It's not like there's been so much negativity in that front that it's, it's made it hard to enjoy baseball. Also my team, the Arizona Diamondbacks are the biggest garbage pile in baseball, which has made it tough. But at the end of the day, I love it. And I've expanded, you know, my fantasy stuff into, I'm literally doing everything. I'm from mm. points to dynasty to head to head to like weird big 16, 24. I, I do all the different leagues to really kind of expand how I'm playing. Um, but, you know, Joe, can I ask you one question since sure. we're on a betting show? I was just talking to someone about this and we were talking about the industry as you're asking me how I'm enjoying the baseball mm -hmm. season. Like I'm enjoying it fine with all the negativities that come with it and all of the adjustments that you have to do. But you know, the DFS uh, world and the gambling mm -hmm. world is very unique and interesting to me that the one thing I was saying, and I've always harped on, and you agree with me, is like baseball should be fun. Like baseball, mm -hmm. you want, and fantasy should be fun, by the way. Right. If you play fantasy, it should be fun. I feel like more than ever, the fun 
has escaped fantasy when it has come to gambling and DFS. It's more serious than ever been. It's ever been because it's big money and there's stuff like that. But how, like, have you ever tackled? How do you bring the fun back into DFS, not That's just a good fantasy? Question. You know what? For me, honestly, I think the in-game betting is super fun where you're just watching a game and you can kind of get involved in that and kind of yeah. ride that wave. I think that's very different. That's really evolved and kind of taken on. And for those of you who don't know what I mean, when you're watching a game, you can literally get in there and start to make bets about the over-unders changing or, you know, whether or not another team is going to take the lead or I mean, it's crazy. Some of the things that are available to you in the game as things are going on are really kind of changing that. I think it all depends on how you, you look at it. If you are somebody that does it as, you know, a very super serious thing, or if it's more of a, a fun thing. And I think that's more for the individual to keep it fun. The yeah. DFS to me has been more fun than season long baseball, to be honest with you, because the season long baseball injury train is brutal. I just want to go out there some nights and just put a lineup together. I like, and not have to worry about drops and ads and trades and, and who's going on the IL and replacing this player and all that stuff and all that work and all the investment going down the drain. Cause I got to get my three best players in the IL. And I think that's where the DFS end really starts to, you know, come in and change things from a, from a betting wagering perspective where you're playing the game differently. So I actually prefer the hyper focus of MLB DFS and some of the wagering than to the other stuff necessarily. The yeah. season long baseball, especially the roto, is a bit of a grind by comparison. I think it's a really good conversation. It is. And and I think it could it comes back. And the reason I asked it also, not just because this is like, you know, we're talking gambling mm -hmm. and betting and stuff like that, but like, you know, you asked me like, how am I enjoying the season? More and more for people like us, and I think for more people in general is I think when you ask that question, it's not just about like, you know, oh, the sanctity of the game and, blah, 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 and baseball, it's, it's not helping itself. Let the kids play. It's not even just necessarily about that. It's also, it's intertwining because I think when you ask someone like, hey, are you enjoying the season? They might answer that from a gambling perspective. You know, oh, well, I'm arguing with people and I'm not making money and this site didn't help me get this or oh, I'm just on a bad streak. Like, like the the exterior things that we do to have fun and yes they can be businesses and they can be lifestyles mm -hmm. and and livelihood to be honest with you but like the way people speak about their enjoyment of the game can be skewed by that that yeah, can be absolutely. the impetus to all of those issues and you know i just i always reiterate there can be be money on the line and i think how much money you put on the line should also be dictated by the level of enjoyment in these games that we play. And, you know, I think when people put more money on the line than they should, or they overextend themselves by doing too much, you lose focus and you have less fun. And then that's sometimes where burnout comes in because you you're should right. want to have as much fun as possible, no matter what you're doing and what type of money is on the line. You want to keep within your ability to also enjoy the thing that you're doing. Yeah, and I, and I think part of that joy is also knowing when to make the wagers. Like, for instance, you know, I loved sure. Otani coming into this year for MVP, but I wasn't going to bet it at 20 to 1 or 30 to 1 before the season. I needed to see a little bit. And then the challenge to me is watching things evolve and then getting in at the right time. Like, I love the Brewers, but I didn't wager on them yet. And Yelich got hurt, and I was happy I didn't. And then Yelich came back, and then Flaherty got hurt, and the Milwaukee Brewers pitchers look really good, and I started to change my tune a little bit, but I'm still waiting. So I got in on Otani. I haven't gotten in on the Brewers. There's some other things that I'm looking at right now. We're going to try to kind of look at them as well today and talk about some of these individuals because I think a third plus into the season, basically, here we are in that sense. And now's the time where you have a better picture of where things are. You have a better picture, too, of injuries yeah. and how they've affected things. So let's start with most hits. Now, on the betting pros and the consensus uh, line here, DJ LeMayhew 
uh, was the best odds at plus 800 than Whit Merrifield. Whit mm. Merrifield, big Whit. fan, always at 10 to 1. Trey Turner at 11 to 1. Mookie Betts, 12 to 1. And Mookie has struggled quite a bit. Lindor, Tim Anderson, these were some other names that were kind of out there. But obviously going in, Whit Merrifield was still my pick going in. That was the guy that I thought people should be leaning towards if they wanted to make this wager. Is it still Whit Merrifield for you? Or do you see somebody else kind of emerging as, you know, this guy really has the inroads to be the hit leader of Major League Baseball? Because we've had some phenomenal performances so far in the first two months of the season. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's there's a couple in line with here. If you're talking about like where we stand now, and if I were, you know, trying to jump in and whatever that could be, you know, someone I think that's making a crazy case right now and you never would have bet them is actually Cedric Mullins, who is right. a third in baseball in hits with 75 and he's just been next level. But, you know, I, I think preseason, I might have gone DJ LeMayhew, you know, Mr. Um, you know, Mr. No launch angle and just hit, 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 hit. That would have been a guy. Drives. What a concept Welsh. Yeah, exactly. It can work. But Trey Turner would be the guy for me that I would look at uh, in this because he's currently fourth in baseball, or at least tied for fourth with uh, IKF, Isaiah Kind of Flavor. What's up, Spore? And uh, Turner is fourth in that right now, and he's right on the heels of the surprising leader in hits in baseball, uh, Adam Frazier, who's probably mm-hmm. going to be one of the first people traded by the trade deadline. So, I mean, I think at this moment, if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm diving in, it's it's Trey Turner is the guy for me that I would okay. feel best about. But so I would I probably would have gone in LeMayhew. So if you still have, I mean, with Frazier and some of these and Cedric Mullins and guys you didn't expect to be there, if you could still go out there and make that Trey Turner wager at a reasonable, let's say even a five to one in some spots, would that be a wager you'd be willing to go for? Yeah, with Turner. I mean, the only thing holding him back, which I actually think plays really well into the bet that you're talking about, like your bet here, if it was like plus 1000, is Trey Turner's injury history. Like that is the one thing that you would have to consider uh, when you're doing it. But I mean, I think he's been otherworldly and he's making everything happen. He's hitting over 300. And the names above him, by the way, are just not as trustworthy names. Cedric Mullins, Adam Frazier, and even Nick Castellanos. Castellanos isn't necessarily a he's not the pillar of hits. He's not the pillar of average and he's hitting 357. There's no way that's going to last. And the guys that are on his heels, there's some interesting ones that are in there. I mean, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is in that, but based on these guys that we're talking about, yeah, I think Trey Turner would be my bet. Witt would be number two. Obviously, LeMahieu is off of this. And I mean, seeing Lindor on this list, like what a, what a yeah, waste well, of money I mean, that was. And this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to take where things were in the beginning of the season and kind of take the temperature of them now. And the same thing goes for the home runs because going into the season, you can get Vladdy for plus 44, 44 to one. Huh. I mean, 4,400, unbelievable going into the season for Vlad Guerrero Jr., right? Some of the favorites were Cody Bellinger, Jose Ramirez, Fernando Tatis. Was it minus 124, uh, Ronald Acuna, 118. So Acuna Tatis obviously still up there. Otani, Vlad still in this conversation too. So in your mind right now, seeing what you've seen so far, who do you think at the end is going when the dust settles going to lead the major leagues in home runs? I I legit am going to have a hard time coming off of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, this has been a big thing. I've always, I mean, you know, we've been doing shows mm-hmm. for years. Oh, yeah. Like I've watched Vladimir Guerrero, you know, just come up through the minors. And I got to spend a decent amount of time seeing him in person when he was out here in Arizona during the Arizona Fall League. I think in 2018 it was. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that would st- maybe 17 doesn't matter. 
the one thing that would stand out about him is he has some of the best plate presence you've ever seen. He hits the ball incredibly hard, but he was obviously looking for his spot. But the the negative on him for everybody was like, oh, he's just not getting the ball in the air launch angle. So he has this like mediocre year where people start going, OK, you know, he's a really good talent, but he's overrated. He doesn't hit homers. And this is me as a prospect person, you know. Prospects assemble. Prospects assemble. I say prospect one, baby. Hashtag I tell you, I say, one. and this would be the same thing I would I would bring up with if we were going to talk about Jared Kelnick. I would say, listen, you've got to let the process happen. And the people that have focused on these minor leaguers, and if you believe and you kind of trust in what they say, like follow their path. And if if I happen to be one of those people, I've I've like been steadfast to say like. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be a star. Like, I'm not worried about having a, mm-hmm. a, a seven degree launch angle or anything like that. Like, he's going to hit the ball hard. He's going to mash. He worked on his body and he looks like one of the best players in baseball right now. And he's crushing homers. That's the only thing that people were taking away from him. And he's got a 335 average. So, all of that to be said, Vladimir Guerrero would be my bet on this. The Otani one is super fun, though. But you know where the payout was for a lot of people? Wouldn't have been like MVP or home run leader was I, I want to say that the Otani home run total was set at like 20 and a half. And we oh, might yeah. hit that by like hit that by the next All-Star week. Break. <laughs> yeah, we're going to hit that by like next week. So that's like a and I would have taken I would love to tell you I would have sat here and take taken uh, Otani as MVP. I probably wouldn't have. I 100 percent the smash that Otani over 20, because this was one of my big, um, my big predictions, my bold predictions on the year was Otani was going to go 25 plus on homers. And that seems insanely silly now, but uh, you know, if you thought about the preseason with health and him oh, being able to continue going, it wasn't seen, sure. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and, and the thing I keep coming back and I got in an Otani, I put my chips down at six to one, uh, six and a half to one. Uh, which I was very pleased because now that's a lot. Forget it. Like he's going to be minus at some point. And I'm going to ask you this question and, and, and I want your take on it. And then we'll move on to the next category here, because no matter what Vlad does, if Otani is within, you know, 10% of it and pitching, how does Vlad compete for the MVP? Like, that's the thing I can't wrap my mind around a Vlad Guerrero MVP as long as Otani keeps some kind of pace with him, right? Because he doesn't. He, he doesn't. Right. I mean, he uh, Otani has been the leader of the MVP race for... Especially with Trout going down, too. That really maximized yeah. it, too, because you took that other guy who was on the same team, and then you start to write the narrative of, well, you know, no Trout, look at what the guy's doing. He's hitting 470-foot bombs last night. It's crazy. Yeah. I, it's at minimum four weeks. He's been the leader at the MVP mm-hmm. and he's so far along in this race right now that you can't, uh, in my eyes, this is just me. You can't talk about anybody keeping pace with Otani. You have to talk about a guy going so far and above and beyond Otani to do this because there'll be guy, Acuna, Vlad, Tatis. They're going to have more homers. They're going to have a couple of them. will have some more stolen bases. They'll have, they'll have at least 10 to 20% more offensive production at minimum. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that's not enough because Otani is also doing it on the mound and he is an elite hitter right now. We're not even talking about a guy that's like he's utility only and he's a top 10 fantasy player right now in season long. And then you put him on the mound and he's putting up big strikeout games. There's no one remotely close. It's a huge payoff if you bet the MVP. And if I was doing it right now, I'm getting any plus odds. I'm still going Otani because, you know, I mean, if you wanted to go in another spot, I, I would look at like Tatis Jr. 
Uh, but I don't think Vlad is going to do it, even if no, he leads a league in home runs. It do, it, that doesn't really matter to me. I mean, maybe right. Triple Crown. I suppose Triple Crown is the thing that keeps it in it. But even then, I don't think I, – I think Otani is triple so – Otani pitching just changes the whole narrative. I it's legit – I would love to know what people think about this because I legit think Vlad could – uh, have the triple crown, and I still think he doesn't win MVP over. That's a fascinating. I'm gonna have to steal that for a conversation on tomorrow's leading off on Fantasy Pros because that is a great yeah. question. If Vlad wins a triple crown, is that enough still? I don't know if it is. Assuming really Otani like finishes like the season and whatnot, yeah, let's he, 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 a dozen wins or something like that. He strikes out 170 guys. I mean, it's just it, when you're playing two ways, I just don't know. I he I would mean, be putting up the shares. You know, I don't he know would what be you do. putting up two seasons worth of production at two different positions of what people would have got. He yes. legit could have 40 homers, 20 stolen bases. He could have eight to 10 wins with a bunch of strikeouts. It's what you would think about him over two years. And by the way, it's two different positions doing this. So triple crown uh, Vlad versus uh superstar Otani. I, I, I just don't know. I That's the closest I think you can get. Yeah, it's a great conversation to have. Uh, stolen bases, obviously going into the year, Adalberto Mondesi, Mondesi was the favorite at minus 125, but uh, I don't know if he's going to have enough games to play, really, even to get into this conversation. That's the problem. It's like, you know, people thought he might steal, you know, 50, 60 bases. We're lucky if he plays 50, 60 games at this point. Uh, Trey Turner was at plus 450, Ronald Acuna plus 600, Whit Merrifield plus seven, Fernando Tatis Jr. in this conversation, as well as Bo Bichette. But if you had to put the money down right now, who do you think is going to lead the league the rest of the season here and cumulatively in stolen bases? Who would be that guy for you? And again, taking Trey Turner's injury history even into account. Yeah, I mean, I, I lean to Whit Merrifield and I hate being the guy that's like picking the guy at the top. But I mean, he's got four more stolen bases than any other player. And even though if I think uh, in argument, you could say is like if I think Trey Turner is going to have the most hits, that gives more on base opportunities. But he's just stealing at like a little bit less of a clip where, you know, the Royals are manufacturing as much as possible. And I think Whit is in that discussion, has less of an injury history. And, you know, once the Royals get going, they run almost more than anybody. And if Mondesi comes back, uh, healthy at some point, you know, they're going to want to continue to go. I think Witt has a great chance. Uh, Trey Turner obviously has to be put in that. If you're going for like more wild card, I don't know. I think, uh, I think a Tim Anderson could be back in that race. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not that far off. He's got 10 stolen bases and he's got a decent amount, at least 30 less at bats and Whit Merrifield that could account to a couple more. I think so cumulative, I would go with Witt, but if I were trying to make some money, I don't hate the rest of season on Tim Anderson. All right. Very good. Let's move and switch gears to the pitchers here. And let's start with uh, Major League winners in terms of win total. Garrett Cole plus 900. Jacob DeGrom plus 12. Trevor Bauer plus 13. Obviously a pretty usual suspects there. Bieber plus 13. Jack Flaherty, who started off really great, was at plus 15. Walker Buehler's at plus 1500 also. But, you know, the trouble is with this one is you need the other factors. You need the bullpen, you need the run support, and you need to pitch well. And God knows Jacob DeGrom's pitch as well as any human being possibly could. And win totals always seem to be the thing that he is chasing. So in your yeah. opinion, even with all the, the new stuff now, you're throwing in this wrinkle where with Bauer and Cole and all the, well, who's got the sticky stuff on the hat and the glove and who's got all the special spinny, the spinny goo that you put all over the baseballs. I guess here's the question is, does this start to kind of creep in and make you wonder, all right, who really is completely legit and who is going to possibly fall off or is it a little bit of overrated nonsense when the end of the day let me do my uh, best garrett cole impression uh 
Um, yeah, no, I, I think as if I he just... wasn't prepared for the question as if he didn't know that that quite, like, that's the funny part, right? It's, it's like, he wasn't prepared. Like nobody said, Hey Garrett, they might ask you about this. You might want to have an answer kind of in the can, right? It's one of the most, I, we just, uh, on the ITL baseball podcast, we just watch it. I had not watched the whole video. I watched like the first 20 seconds. Cause it was like, it's enough. <laughs> you watch the whole thing. And it is like one of the most insane uh, lack of preparation to answer a question. And it's one of those, if you were a political candidate, someone would be like, get off the stage. They would have right, cut his exactly, mic. Yeah. They would have pulled off. They would have cut to a commercial. There's no way. But like Garrett Cole already showed some signs and you can see some of the relative concerns that are out there. Um, you know, I think your spin rate dropped a decent amount. You saw Bowers drop a decent amount that I'm very actually very, very curious to see where Garrett Cole is going to go the rest of the year. If I were picking on this, and this is, this seems wild because he's like rampant with it. I'd actually go with DeGrom. Yeah. And actually mm -hmm. someone had quote tweeted uh, a video of DeGrom uh, kind of walking and like touching his side or whatever. And they were like, Oh, you want to say DeGrom doesn't do this, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Thomas Nido, who was with the team, he goes out and he goes, I can guarantee you this guy does nothing. He's the most legit pitcher. DeGrom needs nothing else. I, I think when you, if you do actually truly bring down the pool of guys and you bring down to levels, Jacob DeGrom has an opportunity to kind of rise up. The crop rises up. And, and also why I'd say that is, well, can the Mets rise up with the winds? That's and, oh, the that's question. the big thing. Yeah. And, and I think, Lindor has been rock bottom for so long that I think signs are starting to, to pick around. that. Yeah. I think Lindor is going to start to come around. And as Lindor comes around, you're going to have that second stretch. And I think DeGrom is going to finally pick up more wins. If I was picking another one, I'd probably go Bauer. Uh, you know, Bauer has been able to do this. It's the Dodgers. They're going to collect wins just left and right. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting at the top of the pool here, obviously, of players. Like Flaherty is going to be out until the All-Star break. So he's not even an option. And well, he's you got a lot of good league. pitchers, too. You still got you Darvish in this mix. You know, obviously, you know, he's pitched very well this year, too. Nobody thought Carlos Rodon would be what he is. I think the guys in the White Sox always have a chance, too, because I look at the the combination of run support, bullpen, and things like that, and we go, well, you know, Lance Lynn, Giolito, if everyone just kind of flies through the last couple months of the season, maybe those guys got to start. You want a dark horse one? Yeah. You want a dark horse one is Julio Arias with the Dodgers. You know, you think of all the other pitchers with the Dodgers. Julio Arias, because he's been terrific this year. He's tied for the most wins in baseball right now. And think of the division Rockies, Diamondbacks, worst in baseball right now. Obviously, you've got the Padres and the Giants perform uh, decently. Well above but their expectations, though. Yeah. Julio Arias has been one of the best pitchers and one of the more big breakout stars from this past year. That I think Arias, where he's at and the continuation, especially if you look at the guys. That are like, you know, Bieber's in there. You can't discount Bieber. Uh, Aaron Savali's in there. A, a real dark horse one would be Julio Urias. All right, let's move on to some of the save leaders here. Liam Hendricks was leading the pack with plus 650. Uh, Roldis Chapman, 750. Josh Hader, plus 800. Then you have Rysel Iglesias, Kenley Jansen, Edwin Diaz. So uh, I know saves can be such an arbitrary thing, a very difficult thing to wager on. But right now, looking yeah. at where guys are in terms of totals and where you project them to be as the season goes on, who do you think is going to lead the league in saves when all is said and done? Well, Melanson's already got a three save lead and he's on one of the best teams in baseball. I just mm -hmm. don't know how you go against it. Now I would say the thing that three is not insurmountable. I mean, that's no, 
but it's not but he's but but it's not like it's melanson on the royals or melanson on you know uh, i'm trying to even look at the angels or something like that Mm -hmm. this is melanson on the padres who again as i point out with the dodgers they it's in a great division to kind of keep collecting the thing that holds against him is that there are guys in the wings that i don't think they'd be afraid to go to if like i think he has a a shorter leash even though you you stay 19 games not even through mid-june I feel like a team is going to give this guy more of a leash than people want. So Melanson, I think, is got to be the guy that is still the big front runner. But, you know, don't look now. Kenley Jansen is having an insane year, but he's six saves behind, but it's the Dodgers. So I'm going on like win mm-hmm. teams. Like Hendricks is in there. I think Reyes is going to tap down a little bit. I think there's competition with Barnes. I don't know if Chicago can win enough for Craig Kimbrell. So I like Jan- I like Melanson or Jansen if I, if, I, if I were possibly insane enough to bet saves. Well, and I was just going to say to me, this is always the one I run away from because it is so arbitrary. Those opportunities can be so difficult. Uh, and certainly there's so many guys that are right there and the number's going to be so close. You know, there's going to yeah. be like one save, two save difference between these guys at the end. Now, the thing you really want to talk about is pitcher strikeouts, and God knows we've got a ton of those. I mean, between Corbin Burns and Jacob deGrom and Garrett Cole and Bieber and everybody in between, Giolito, Scherzer looking like Scherzer again. Uh, going into things, Jacob deGrom plus 425, plus 450 for Garrett Cole, plus 650 for Bieber, Trevor Bauer plus 750, then you have Giolito plus 8, and Max Scherzer at 10 to 1 at plus 1,000. So, as the board looks right now, taking health, taking the new cruelty in baseball, cracking down potentially on the guys with the spitty balls and the special substances, mm-hmm. who do you think at the end of the day is the guy at the top of the hill when it comes to K's? Well, I just can't go against Bieber. You, it's it's impossible to go against Bieber right now with how he's uh, with how he's performed. There is, um, I, I mean, I still love uh, Degrom. That would be, I mean, your easy bets, depending where the money is, is is uh, is that play because Degrom also, by the way, has the best K per nine in baseball at fourteen four because he's only pitched as we're recording he's this two starts right. Yeah, he's so, only pitched fifty only, I believe fifty eight innings. He has ninety three strikeouts compared to the leader uh, in Bieber who has one hundred twenty two strikeouts in 85 innings but let me throw a secondary name at you again if you're looking for just big payoffs for the rest mm-hmm. of the season how about corbin burns because if you move down my the dark qualifi- horse cy young coming into the season and you, you move know, down the qualifications me, my big concern is what is corbin burns after 120 innings this year that's and, what i do, i worry about a little bit and it's it's a great question but if you are talking rest of the season you're willing to go with it corbin burns is the second best K per nine behind a Grom at 14 two. He's got a time. He has more strikeouts currently uh, just, you know, just a, a notch. He's got 94 to well, uh, Jake time Grom's 93 and he missed some time. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at the top, uh, what is this? Like the top seven in strikeouts in baseball, they've all got 75 or more innings except for Corbin Burns. He has 94 strikeouts or six guys that have a hundred strikeouts or more. The next guy is Corbin Burns. So, you know, where are my bets pending odds? Bieber is clear and far away, you know, 122, five more than Tyler Glass now. And he's already, you know, 30 more. They're 29 more than um, Jacob DeGrom. So it'd go Bieber, DeGrom. But if I want some some money play, it's Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns mm-hmm. is a strikeout machine and they got to press him. He looks better than he's ever done before. He's missed some time. So he's not looking like he's going to press over 200 innings. That would be my one. Here's a here's something I want to throw out before we get to rookie of the year. I I may be conspiracy a conspiracy theorist for a moment, if I may. 
that they sent down Keston Hira again because it's time to put him in a package to get some more offense before he completely bottoms out in the major leagues where somebody looks at him and says, okay, we're going to have, you know, maybe we can get this kid right. He's still very young. Let's get him back. Maybe just a change of, I don't know, scenery, a change of, of hitting coaches, whatever it might be. Do you think Milwaukee sees opportunity here in this central? Because I don't think anybody really believes in the Cubs at the end of the day. And with Flaherty out and the rest of this pitching being what it is in St. Louis, that pitching in Milwaukee is so good. They just need to get some more offense in the worst way. And here it wasn't getting it done. Do you think that that's part of the reason why they sent him down again for the second time this year? Yeah, I mean, and they did the uh, they did the Adamas trade. Uh, they're, they're looking for offense. You know, I'm. But that's less... another patchwork trade. Like they need a Mancini. They oh. need a Peralta. They need a no, no, no. Uh, no, you know, they need somebody. I, I totally agree with you. I, I what I was gonna say is like I'm less conspiratorial about like those type of deals. Uh, or at least I used to be, where it's like, oh, they're sending him down. They just kind of hype up the value and stuff like that. Because I always want to give a benefit of the doubt that like these people that are making millions of dollars they're not going to be subdued by like 50 at bats in like a triple a during half of the season to be like, Whoa, this guy's really great. But you know what? It kind of is. It kind of is like fantasy. It is legit. The more that I have talked to inner workings of people with baseball, the amount that teams will strategically uh, push prospects out there and try to influence and try to create value and, and uh, won't, move prospects up specific levels because they want to keep them hitting so they can keep that value going. It actually makes a lot of sense. I don't think Hira, even though Craig Council came out and said that never before has there been a bigger gap between AAA and the majors, which is a really interesting comment, hmm. um, which I think I, really, I, could, I could see and I could agree with that they're encouraged by it. It does feel like this team needs to make a big trade, but I'm not so sure it can come from Keston here regardless. He could be a part of it. I think he's a prime candidate. Get him out of there. Get him in a new spot. But I don't know, man. If they could get Devin Williams right, you want a great bullpen, but... I mean, imagine the package you could get for Devin Williams and Keston Hira if you could move them off. So I, I think that I agree with everything you said uh, totally. I think they need new stuff, and I think they are priming Keston Hira to just destroy it, AAA, and have a team that is just willing to have yeah, more of a reclamation that's what he did already project. once. That's my yeah. concern. He did yeah, that no, already, know, and he grabbed him up, and he was like, yeah, it's not working. Let's send you back down. I think they're just protecting the asset because yeah. they realize it's just not going to happen, and they think they have a window. All right, you are the guy to talk to about this, so I want your opinion on this. The consensus line of betting pros for the National League Rookie of the Year, Cabrian Hayes at plus 350, Ian Anderson plus 600, Dylan Carlson at plus 700. The American League side, it's still sit with Randy Rosarena at the top at plus 350. Wander Franco's at 10 to 1. Jared Kelenic, who just got sent down, still at 10 to 1. So I guess here's my question, National League, American League, where do you want to put your chips here? Uh, is it just as simple as Brian Hayes is back now? It's his award to lose. Anderson's pitched very well. We haven't seen Wander Franco yet. Is this the time to bet it before it comes up and this 10 to 1 becomes a 2 to 1 at some point? But he is on the same team as a Rosarena, so it's complicated. Take me through your thoughts here. National League, American League Rookie of the Year. Where's Welsh putting the chips? So from an NL perspective, I, I think you kind of hit it. I think it's a two-dog race right now. I think... I actually think Ian Anderson might be your guy. Uh, he's mm -hmm. got a three and a half ERA. He started 11 he's games. He's been really good. If he had a couple more wins under his table, like six, I don't even think it'd be remotely close. But if he can get to like 12 or 13 wins and he's going to put it decently behind him, keep that three and a half ERA, I'll be honest with you. I'm just not sure what Key Brian Hayes can do. 
at that point. Like, I mean, he could obviously go off and he has shown some signs of that. I would say right now, Ian Anderson is the front runner, but Key Brian Hayes is on his tail. And Key Brian Hayes has been just such a pleasant surprise that, uh, you know, the power numbers have gone up and he's going to have really big totals. You want and like there's us. nobody else National League wise that is going to come up and compete this year, right? Uh, that, oh, that's going to like actually be called up that could compete um, for this award in your opinion right i mean these these are the guys right these not two. It's a two horse race here here's the tough part i mean the, gavin lux is starting to play better i don't know if that's a dark horse where you start to i don't think he more. qualifies though has he has he already passed the qualification I wasn't yeah sure. he he okay. had like th- there's a couple guys well they're not in l now that i'm thinking about it but um th- there's a couple guys that are like fringy in that range but like to your point of guys that could come up and be impactful right now probably not like what i was gonna say is you always have those players like look at like Aristides Aquino and stuff. You come up, you play like mm. 50 games and you hit like 20 homers. Um, those guys can happen. And there, there is a, there's a possibility like a Helio Ramos, uh, Helio Ramos with the, the giants. He could get called up like any time. And he's the type of player that could hit 20 plus. And I think it could change the discussion, except that Hayes and Anderson have been there the entire time. So I well, just don't and, but, think. And, and Anderson has the, you know, two months on Hayes who hasn't been there for two months. Yeah. So yeah. Like JJ, jump, even though he's a pitcher, like JJ Blade could come up in the discussion. If he comes up relatively soon and starts hitting, he could be that. I think, I think the bet right now is one of those two. I would put it on Ian Anderson, uh, uh, like a little subtext guy. If the team were a little bit better would be uh paven Smith. To be honest with you, with oh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, that's another 292, five homers. He's got 34 runs. He legit could close in if the Diamondbacks can score runs on like a hundred runs on the year, maybe 80 RBIs, 20 homers with a 290 average. He would be in discussion. Like I think he's a top five rookie of the year candidate in the NL. But uh, that's you know that's like low dollar stuff. If you did that, the yeah, AL though the is wilder. So it, the AL is kind of like the Wild West. Is it a matter of a Rosarena and everybody else? Or is is Wander Franco, like I said, is this the window? Because it feels like it might be, because I don't know. I, I'm a big fan. Uh, I, I just feel like this guy is going to light everything on fire. I think the league's going to have a hard time adjusting to him, actually. Well, uh, that's my opinion on Wander Franco. But I'm worried that that, number, that 10 to 1 gets cut in half very soon if indeed well, he does get that call. I mean, I can throw a couple things out for you. There are two absolute wild cards in this uh i'm assuming because based on how i have it they're eligible but here's who you're forgetting you're forgetting yerman mercedes and you're forgetting adolis garcia He's even though they're, they're, they're 28 their... years old but they qualify right right now adolis garcia garcia um, uh, is the mercedes guy. was a look mercedes came crashing back down to earth he had a great april it was a fun ride but Garcia's home run totals, I think, are definitely something to keep an eye on. If you had a vote, would you vote for Garcia or would you vote for Rosarena so far? I would vote for Garcia. It's unreal. Okay. He, has, he has 16 homers hitting 276 and 43 RBIs. Those 43 RBIs, I got to look here because I want to say. He's also got a ton of strikeouts in there, too, which I yeah, can. But they're at the not. End of the day, it. They look at the totals. That's what yeah. they're looking for. He's inside the top 10 in RBIs. He's only behind Shohei Otani. I mean, maybe one of the surprising is Jesus Aguilar, who's fourth in uh, in baseball it's in not, RBIs. Though. You know what? Because Jesus Aguilar is driven 100 runs, you know, with uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. He, he was an RBI machine in the minor leagues in Cleveland. That guy knew how to drive in runs. And that was the one thing I always liked about Aguilar, even though he didn't have the same kind of power you would look for from a, a first baseman prototypically. He always had a, a knack for driving in runs and he hit well with runners and scoring position, which is like a lost art form in baseball nowadays. But yeah. you bring up a great point in Garcia. So is he the, actually the dark horse that people should actually be starting to put some money on where everybody's talking about the other guys? 
I mean, I would be fascinated to see what does the number look like right now for AL? Because I'll have to pull that up. I don't even have that number for him because you make a big point because he is 28. I think people you forget, you know, they, but they he, techni- forget. he technically qualifies. He, he did not uh, exceed prospect eligibility. Uh, reg- age does not qualify prospect eligibility in baseball as much as people want to do it. Like a lot of people will be like, well, I'm just not going to rank, you know, a, t- a 28 year old, which I totally understand. But baseball doesn't care. And uh, Randy Ro- Randy Rosarena is 26, but Yerman is 28. Uh, Adoles Garcia is 28. And Yerman Mercedes right now, and actually it's funny because it's just actually moved recently. Yerman Mercedes at plus okay. 800. Kellenick is at plus 10. Wander Franco's 10. Andrew Vaughn's 10. I'm looking for Mercedes on consensus right now. You mean Garcia? I mean uh, Garcia rather, and I don't have him. So does he indeed, or we're sure he actually qualifies there? Correct. I see Brujan in there. I see a lot of other guys. And I he know it's came, he, he came into the year with prospect eligibility as far as I know, because he had wow. a short stint in um, he had a short stint in 2018 where he pl- had 17 plate appearances. Then he had uh, only uh, a handful more this past year. And he's eclipsed. He's only has, he only has 211 total plate appearances in, in his career. And for this season, he has 199 at bats. So yeah, he, he, he technically qualifies, but maybe they took him off due to age. I can't tell you who it is. Um, well, they can't I, take I, you off because of age, but I don't know because of the, you know, because of all the, the way that the COVID seasons and other things and how they, they tabulate off usually, seasons worth of usually that's now. tied to games on uh roster, but we, I'm right. telling you, we walked into this season, the qualification for rookies is you walk into this season. And again, somebody that could be, go and correct and be like, here's the reason mm-hmm. why. Okay. That's fine. If that's not the case, uh, let's just assume like right now I would go Adolis because his numbers are crazy. He's hitting uh, underlining stuff. You go on baseball savant. They keep going. He's just not going to stop. And he's hitting for good average. Randy is definitely in the discussion. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. If Wander were to come up soon that he could pass Randy Rosarino. Randy's only hitting about 250. Mm-hmm. Counting stats look pretty good, but what would be in consideration is if Wander were to come up, let's say within the next couple of weeks, he legit could finish out the year hitting 300 plus and he could have, you know, a ton of runs and he could maybe not a ton of RBIs, uh, it's also 10, 12 homers stolen bases. I, TV, you know? I think if he were to do that and come up, it would have to be within the next couple of weeks. I would be willing to slap a little bit of it on Wander. But uh, Tarek Skubal would be another uh, dark horse in here. But Randy currently owns it. But, you know, don't forget about uh, don't forget about Adolis and pay attention to Wander and Tarek Skubal. There you have it. All right. You can follow him on Twitter at Is It The Welsh. And of course, go check out the ITL Army over on Patreon in this league with Scott Bogman and the Welsh. And you can also subscribe to Prospect One if you're somebody who plays in Dynasty Leagues or you just like great baseball talk in this league, by the way, does everything, all the sports. Welsh, I miss talking to you on like a daily basis. This was nice to get together, talk a little baseball. Hopefully we'll do it again soon. And uh, I appreciate the time today, my friend. Thank you for having me. I always love doing it. I always miss doing podcasts with you. Hopefully everybody had a good time. And remember, have some fun. Have a little bit of fun. fun. It's supposed to be fun. Let's make it fun. On that note, that's it. Go have fun. All right, that'll do it for us. But the story of the game goes on. For the Welsh, I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids. (laughs) 